The frost performs its secret ministry unhelped by any wind. The owlet's cry came loud, and hark, again, loud as before. The inmates of my cottage, all at rest, have left me to that solitude which suits abstruser abstruser musings, save that at my side my cradled infant slumbers peacefully. Tis calm indeed, so calm that it disturbs and vexes meditation with its strange and extreme silentness. Sea, hill, and wood, this populous village, sea, hill, and wood, with all the numberless goings-on of life, inaudible as dreams, the thin blue flame lies on my low-burnt fire and quivers not. Only that film which flutters on the grate still flutters there, the sole unquiet thing. Methinks its motion in this hush of nature gives it dim sympathies with me who live, making it a companionable form whose puny flaps and freaks the idling spirit by its own mood interprets everywhere. Echo or mirror seeking of itself and makes a toy of thought. Therefore, all seasons shall be sweet to thee, whether the summer clothe the general earth with greenness, or the red breast sit and sing betwixt the tufts of snow on the bare branch of mossy apple tree, while the night thatch smokes in the sun thaw, whether the eavedrops fall, heard only in the trances of the blast, or the secret ministry of frost shall hang them up in silent icicles, quietly shining to the quiet moon. The snow began here this morning, and all day continued. It's white rhetoric everywhere, calling us back to why, how, whence such beauty, and what the meaning. Such an oracular fever, flowing past windows, an energy it seemed would never ebb never settle less than lovely. And only now, deep into night, it has finally ended. The silence is immense, and the heavens still hold a million candles. Nowhere the familiar things. Stars, the moon, the darkness we expect and nightly turn from. Trees glitter like castles of ribbons. The broad fields smolder with light. A passing creek bed lies heaped with shining hills. And though the questions that have assailed us all day remain, not a single answer has been found. Walking out now into the silence and the light under the trees and through the fields feels like one. The darkest days of the year are here now. 
Slowly but surely, the days will get even shorter until later this week. And then, just when we want to scream to the heavens, because we just cannot take another minute of darkness, then, just then, the light will begin to return. The days will get longer again. The sun has already begun to set later in the evening. It will soon begin to rise earlier in the morning as well. I was reminded this past Friday that the enduring lesson of the winter solstice is that the darkness does not win. Sitting in the cathedral of the of St. John the Divine, on the evening following a day of tragedy, tears, and unthinkable violence, I was unsure if I could let myself experience the annual celebration of the winter solstice. For a little while, I let myself get lost in the sounds and sights of this magical evening. Throughout, though, a little voice kept saying in the back of my head things like, But 20 children are dead. And what is the message of hope that you can bring to the congregation on a Sunday after something this horrible? In the second half of the program, the dean of the cathedral, the very Reverend James Kowalski, was invited to the stage, as he always is, to greet us. It turns out that 30 years ago, he was the priest serving Trinity Church in Newtown, Connecticut, his very first congregation. Small world, this. It was Dean Kowalski who reminded us that the light returns even when we curse the darkness and convince ourselves that it will soon take over. Winter teaches us that the darkness does not win. The light returns, even after the longest night of the year. And when that darkness is metaphorical, when the inky, black, impenetrable night is in our souls and not in the heavens, when we are plunged into despair by the actions of our fellow humans, we must take the inspiration that winter has to give us. For it is in times like this that we need to be reminded that we each have the power to kindle light. We need to remember that even the smallest bit of light turns back the darkness every time. Just as we light our trees and homes in ancient rituals to meet the long dark night, we can also make light that vanquishes the dark night of the soul. I will admit, when I first put this worship service on the calendar, I was prepared to draw different lessons from winter. I was prepared to ask us to meet the hustle and bustle of the season with stillness and quiet, noting the hibernating bears and the silence after snowfall. I was prepared to ask us to meet the materialism of the season with simplicity, patterning our lives after the stark, leafless trees and the flat ice on once wave-chopped water. Little did I know a month ago that as nice as those lessons are, they would not be the most important things to say today. So tuck them away in the back of your brains 
I'll dust them off another year. Right now, though, I'd like us all to spend a little time thinking about the ways in which we bring the light of love to our world. Yes, the light of love. The third Sunday in Advent, if you have celebrated this tradition throughout your life, is usually the week in which joy is celebrated. The pink candle is for joy. Love waits another week in most churches around the world. I thought it necessary this week to swap that order. I hope no one from a Christian background takes offense. Today, I think we need to kindle the light of love in our hearts, in our community, and in our world. Today, I think we need to remember that we as humans have the power to love. And just as a candle pierces the darkness, love freely and abundantly given turns back the darkness of evil and violence. Our world needs more love in it, don't you think? Just as it needs more silence and more simplicity, it needs more love. And that's something that we can do, alone and together. Our response to evil must always, always be love. As we respond with love to the senseless violence only a few miles from here, however, let us also hold in our hearts those whose worlds are shaken by violence and evil every day. The cries of grief coming from Newtown are not alone. They join the cries of families in Mali, in Mexico, in Finland, and in Syria. In Afghanistan, where our very government sends unmanned drones to fight a war in our name with little understanding of their collateral damage. In Gaza and in Israel, where bombs and rockets come from both sides and solve nothing. In Blacksburg and Clackamas, in Aurora and Columbine and Oak Creek. And in all of those places, too numerous to mention, where the violence is so constant, it ceases even to be news. It can be overwhelming. Just as the darkness of winter can be overwhelming, it can spur us to unfathomable depths of sadness out of which it seems impossible to climb. It can inspire us to fill our lives with myriad diversions and brightly colored packages so that our children never learn what is outside their door and so that we, even we, who try to pay attention can pretend to forget even if for a moment. It can if we let it. Or we can remember our power to love. We can remember that the light in winter is made by us and that we need to keep making it until the light of nature returns in its place. So this winter, let us meet the darkness with light. Let us meet evil with love. Let us keep making more and more and more love until the light comes back to our world. Let us inspire love, knowing that love is an infinite resource 
if only we let it be. The darkness will not win. The darkness cannot win. It never does. May it be so.